What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is an interior designer with a focus on and is super passionate about hospitality design. She's an innovative thinker and dedicated team member and team leader. She enjoys seeing a project from birth to completion. She is a principal and national hospitality design leader at DLR Group. She's based in Minnesota. She was a boutique 18 inductee in 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, Valentina Castellon. Welcome, Valentina. Thank you. It's really so wonderful to have you on. And I think I've heard of DLR Group for a really long time. I mean, we've been in the industry a long time, but I was just so blown away at two boutique design shows ago uh, in the Gold Key Awards. You guys like did a full on sweep and it was just super amazing to see that happen coming out of the pandemic and all the success that you guys have continued to have, um, especially within hospitality. Let's just start off by getting right into what do you love about hospitality? What does hospitality mean to you? Yeah, so hospitality for me is something that I'm definitely passionate about. But when I really start to think about what it means and what it means to others is this idea of really opening yourself up and catering to other people. So um, like for me, the definition of hospitality is when I go home to Chile and visit my family, the way they open up their homes, the way they like take their best bottle of wine out, they cancel all their plans. They really make you feel welcome. So you, you essentially are the center of attention. They take the back seat and they just want to make sure that you have the best time while you're there. So for me, that is the definition of hospitality, making others feel great and really enjoying your time. I love it. Um, one thing I can say from just my understanding of DLR from past conversations is you guys are a really big multidisciplinary architecture and design firm. Um, but in this, in that size, I also get the feeling, and that so much of this is about feeling, that for your hospitality side, it just seems like such a small and warm place. And like, how do you guys recognize, okay, we're this big multidisciplinary company and but we can also make it feel small and warm and just like a super amazing place for a team like how do you how do you find that balance how do you strike that balance yeah so for us that's actually kind of like our passion point so we have a big company that supports us so when you think about initiatives like r&d or equity and diversity we have all this like steam engine behind us but then we have a team that only focuses on hospitality. So we have a studio in Minneapolis and Chicago for interiors um, and that team, that's all they do. So they eat, live, breathe hospitality. And um, we also have architecture as well out of those two studios in Kansas City. But we, we like to say like hospitality isn't for everybody. Obviously people enjoy those spaces, <clears throat> but uh, for us, it's really, you have to be passionate about that work because as we know, it's long hours, it's really pumping out creative juices, it's thinking outside of the box and it's not for everybody. <laughs> I love how you say 
it's not for everyone, but I, like you, have the hospitality bug. And I think most of the people that I would say almost all of the people within our industry, once you have that bug, you can't, you're stuck. You can't leave. You don't want to because of, I think it's all that passion and care. Um, you started out doing residential, correct? Mm -hmm. How did you make the decision? How did you allow yourself permission to try hospitality? And then what, what hooked you into it? I always knew I wanted to do hospitality. It was like the end goal, right? At the time when I was doing residential, I was kind of like moving around that wanderlust spirit hadn't settled down. And I knew that, um, you know, moving every year or every two years wasn't going to really support growing in that way. So once I kind of set some roots down, I was like, okay, it's my time. Let's do this. But I knew since I was a teenager that I wanted to do hotel design. So for me, it was uh, definitely like, okay, any minute now. All right, let's do this. <laughs> um, and then going from residential to hospitality, um, and then the team, as the team has grown in your experience, because you've been at DLR for almost 10 years now, nine or 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the biggest changes that you've noticed within DLR and then the industry at a large at large over those past, let's say, 10 years? Well, I can definitely speak on what's kind of happened within our studio. So um, we started with a small and yet mighty team. And uh, it really started back with uh, Stacy, who we worked hand in hand to grow something that didn't really exist within our company. We knew we had a passion for it. We, we knew that that's the ultimate goal for both of us. So um, we had to you know, grind and prove ourselves over and over again and really grow something that um, didn't already exist within our company. So the evolution just within our studio um, to be able to go from, you know, two to 30 um, for interior specific uh, was just fantastic. So uh, for us, that evolution came. And then, as you mentioned, you know, we went from being somebody that people were like, oh, I've heard of you guys, but for something else to being able to win design firm of the year and um, really get a lot of recognition. So it was this like fast and furious evolution for us, but it was awesome. We enjoyed every second of it. Uh, there were definitely long nights and lots of work that went into it, but that evolution for us really kind of put us on the map and has allowed us to really continue and continue to grow and diversify what we do within hospitality as well. Mm. And were you one of the first two in the in the interiors department? So it was you and Stacy? Yeah, we had other interior designers there, but they were not focusing on hospitality. Oh wow, I had no idea. It was the the dynamic duo? Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, wow. Okay, so then if you look at that evolution, so you're going from really the two who are doing hospitality now over thirty between Chicago and Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. um, as you win designer of the year, you're getting all these accolades, you're working on more projects. Like, what's the biggest change you've seen from 2020 when you were inducted into the boutique 18 to now to today? Um, I would say the floodgates definitely opened for people <laughs> wanting to work with us, which is great. Um, but I think also, once you get to that level, you also hold yourself to a different expectation right you're 
you're like, all right, this is serious business. We've always taken ourselves very serious, but you understand that you're playing in a different pool. So for us, we have been leveling up. We've been investing into our team. We've been doing additional training. So for us, we want to definitely continue down a path and continue to grow and evolve. And like I said, really work on different work typologies. So not necessarily just, you know, a particular hotel type or a particular restaurant type really diversify within the hospitality world, which gets us excited because as we know, every project is different. You want to have a different concept and you, it's very technical as well. You learn as you go. And for us, it's just been a fantastic ride. And then when you were growing up in, in Chile, did you like, what were your, your like formative design or creative um, impulses or, or inspirations? How did, how did you know you wanted to go onto this path? So I came from uh, my mom, who is actually an artist. And then uh, she met my dad, who was the sculpting instructor. So <laughs> there's definitely art in the background there, but um, my mom's artistic passion, she always had a fantastic eye for design. She was one of those people that you give like five things to, and she just magically makes it into this masterpiece. Um, and she just, she continued to do that through my whole childhood. So she definitely was like the North star and my inspiration for creativity, even homework assignments, like book reports, she'd be like, oh, we're not going to do it this way. Or like we'd have, you know, uh, vocabulary words. So you'd have to create a project and bring it into school. And so we're kind of learning English together. We're doing vocabulary projects and I would bring it in and the teacher would always be like, okay, that's, I've never seen anything like that. That's different. And not only that, but we pick like the other definitions. So, you know, how some words have multiple definitions. She's like, I've never seen anyone take like the most obscure definition of that word, but I love it. <laughs> wow. And then, and so, so you would do a whole creative presentation about the vocabulary words. Like mm -hmm. what, what, what's an example of, of one, like, what did it look like? That's really oh, cool. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. So um, I remember one was for uh, quiver and we we're learning about verbs, but instead of doing like kids drew like a picture of somebody with like little shaky lines around them. My mom and I actually like built a quiver out of like leather, like did the whole thing, made arrows and I brought it in and everyone's like stacking their papers. And I'm like bringing here a little sculpture. <laughs> oh and she's gosh. like, Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> I get it. Okay. So like going with the synonym and not necessarily, and, and just the off the beaten path one, but actually making a thing. You're a maker. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Wow. She's, she's the maker. And my, my nieces and nephews call her the fixer too. So you take anything that's like broken or disfigured, she'll, she'll make it beautiful again. <laughs> wow. And is she still in Chile? No, she's here with me. That's, that's ultimately what brought me back. So after my, you know, gallivanting and trying different cities, um, ultimately I wanted to be closer to her. So I came back here. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Um, so I want to just kind of jump into, you know, how you were speaking about hospitality. And really, it's like, just in what you said earlier, but also just our previous conversations where it's, you know, kind of putting yourself in the backseat to serve others, correct? And mm -hmm. if you think about that from, if you think about that, and also the way that you would creatively look at how to define different vocabulary words from when you were a kid. Like what are some projects now that you're 
looking at completely differently, looking at things completely differently, like you did when you were a kid and using that quiver example and like walk us through how you're taking that kind of those formative experiences for yourself and applying them to like cool projects now. That's a good question, actually. <laughs> so um, something that we've actually been challenged as of late has been to create new prototypes um, for some brands. So with that being said, we've been doing a lot of um, R&D within our company to figure out, okay, we aren't the guest. Who is the guest? What's important to them? What is going to make this stay really resonate with them? Let's think outside of the box. How can we think about something that people are have never seen in a guest room that will really take their breath away and say, okay, this is my new hotel. This is where I want to stay. So whenever we think about hotel design, it's not just, oh, it looks pretty. There has to be function behind it. There has to be a deeper kind of exploration into the psychology of the way people use space. And that's thinking about not only public space, but also the guest room. So any kind of touch point, even the moment of arrival for a guest has to be thought about, okay, how can we make this person feel welcome? How can we make them feel invited? And how do we get them to want to come back? Mm. And, and then for those listeners who don't know, you can do a project like a one-off hotel project or restaurant or anything but these prototypes are really from the brand level so from a marriott a hilton a hyatt a core where they want to standardize their brand experience in a in a standard program and but that's a new area of hospitality for you is it isn't it yeah definitely we we hadn't done it um until probably like two three years ago people started approaching us with that and we had always been doing you know boutique hotels um you know custom properties um and it was something that made us again think outside the box it wasn't like a normal project it wasn't like we're gonna do one of these they're like we're gonna roll out hundreds of these. How can we do it so that it's effective all over the country? So it's like a different way of thinking when you're designing. It's not this like, you know, localized story that really fits within this neighborhood. You have to think about it going in New York City or going in New Mexico, you know? So it's this idea of being a creator of space that can apply anywhere. Mm. And then when you're looking at kind of this this new area of these prototypes for a, a standard branded room and you start doing your research like what does that look like when you when you kick it off as a team as, as and as a leader on the team so we actually have been fortunate that we invested in ourselves in the way that we have a research and development team and they go they have way more facets of um, resources really to tap into untapped waters. So uh, one of them is using, for instance, surveys. So we can have um, a random collection of people and we can ask them questions about like, okay, when you go to a hotel, like what's the first thing you look for? Or, and it can literally be any subject matter. You can say like, what's your favorite color? And you start to go into these different uh, realms of psychology that Again, we're not anything that I thought I would be doing when I went to school for interior design, but it's this idea of making the guest be the most important part of your design. It's not about, okay, what does this look like? How does this look cool in 2022? It's thinking about, okay, how is this going to resonate with somebody 
five years from now. Mm. And then I guess if with your R&D department, to come up with all those questions and the data that all comes back, it could be overwhelming. How do you parse through all that information and take that first step and not be paralyzed? What's that like analysis paralysis? Like how yeah. do you... Like, give us an example of where, like, you have all of this data and you take that first step with your team. Well, I think it has to do with a collaborative process. So it's our team that's combing through it, but then you're also um, working with a particular brand. So they have their point of view and they have their influence also. So um, what's great is that you're getting voices from multiple different avenues, but then, you know, the questions are pretty pointed where you're trying to actually extrapolate something that's usable. So it's a collaborative process that takes time, I'll just say. And it's not something that, you know, you're like, oh, okay, we did a survey. We got this. Let's go. <laughs> it's definitely like, okay, we, we did this one step. Now let's think about a different way we can get a different set of data and how we can start to implement that. But it's definitely um, an evolution. It's constantly evolving until you uh, created a perfect outcome. Yeah, and it's amazing because like, guests and people are always evolving so each new project you're just getting new data and it's always pushing forward yeah um when you look at the growth from the two-person team to where you are now with 30 um and you look at not just the standalone projects but the prototypes that you're working on and so you're following this arc when you look at where you came from and where you're going, what's exciting you most about what you see in the future? Um, I would say right now we are working on these projects that are pushing us to our limit, right? So it's projects of scale, it's partnering with um, development teams like um, Dream Hotel Group that really push the boundaries and um, as you've heard, they were just acquired by Hyatt. So I'm actually looking forward to see how that evolves within their world too. But um, it's really figuring out which partners we want to work with um, and really pushing ourselves. So we don't want to stay stagnant. We never want someone to walk into a property that we've done and say, oh, this looks like their project, right? We want people to be like, holy shit, who designed this? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then when you think when when you think about um, for instance, Dream Hotel, like they've they definitely have a much different perspective on kind of what that hospitality experience is, right? It's lifestyle, it's um it's it's their own point of view. And if you think about using that as an example and the and the excitement there and and you you thinking differently about how you approach a project, like can you give us any examples of like what's exciting you most about that project that you're working on there? Um, what I love is that they definitely have like no boundaries, right? Like the craziest ideas are always welcome. Um, if it has never been seen before, they are up for the challenge. So for us, uh, it's definitely like one of those, you're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And then you present it to somebody and they're like, yeah, well, that's not really like our brand where I think with the Dream Hotel Group, they're like, oh yeah, like let's figure out how to do it. And they uh, are able to reach out to other partners and get really creative. It's really been a fun process kind of seeing how the sausage is made as they say uh, with them because they have so many connections um, to different DJs, chefs, like 
you name it. So it's, it's really been a fun process just to be able to work in such a collaborative manner in a, such a different hotel typology. And yeah. And I, and I would imagine it, so it's not just dream and like how they approach everything from just the hospitality F and B everything, but it's also you, you throw in a, it's in Vegas. So it's obviously yeah. you really have to make it that much bigger and larger than life. Yeah. Well, I think Vegas always makes people like more is more, right? So uh, there's no too grand of an idea. And what I love about it is it's very destination based. When people go to Vegas, they're looking for a completely unique experience, something they have never seen before and something that's very memorable. It's definitely like a playground when you think about theatrics. I mean, that's definitely the word I would say, like, things suspended from ceilings, light fixtures that like are constantly changing. So it's really, to me, almost like this immersive art installation when you go to Vegas and the next time you go, it may look completely different. So for me, it's been such a fun experience working out in that market just because they, um, they're not afraid of some creative ideas out there. Yeah. And it's almost, and it's like, you got to keep up with the the Joneses or the, the other, what, what, what's happening on the strip or what's, what, what just happened and how can we even outdo that? It's a cool, it's a cool laboratory if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so I've never been to Chile before. Um, but when you, do you get it back there frequently? Yeah. Um, well, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> Thank you. What, um, like what, when you, after you've braved uh, a Minneapolis winter, or splitting your time between um, Minneapolis and Chicago. When you think back on Chile, like what do you miss the most about it? Um, aside, aside from family, right? So my entire family is still there. So I have all my cousins and grandparents, but for me, it's the, just the land. It's such a beautiful country. You can go from being up in the mountains to the sand dunes, to the ocean. You can go to the South, like the Southern tip. You're, you're in Patagonia. So it's just, it's a, the longest, skinniest country in the world. And um, it's just so diverse. There's so much to see, so much to do. Uh, every time I go back, I see something that I didn't see the time before and it just takes my breath away. Well, yeah, I've always wanted to go there in our summer to go skiing up in the mountains. So mm -hmm. someday, someday when I grow up, I will be able to, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going back to the, just the, the explosive growth that you guys have had over the past, you know, three years, let's just say. Um, and you, you, I think you said earlier, you're getting a lot of inbound on like, hey, will you work on this project, work on this project? How, like, what are the criteria? Like, how do you, because obviously you don't have, you're a large firm, you have 30 people, you don't have a million people, but how do you decide which projects are best for you guys at DLR? Yeah, so for us, we have been having to take a look at that, right? So when you have a lot of influx uh, of demand, which we're so grateful for, right? Um, you have to just really start to think, okay, A, capacity, right? That's like, the no-brainer, like, do we have the capacity to take this project on? The last thing we'd want to do is take a project on that we can't really support. But also creatively, like, 
if we have not done something like that before and we want to challenge ourselves to try something new, um, or if there's a particular market we're really interested in getting into, um, that's another strategy. Also, we have um, some of our clients that we've worked with um, that have really kind of helped us grow to where we are. Um, that isn't kind of taken for granted. So there's some loyalty to our past clients that um, we definitely take a look at. So it's a whole rainbow <laughs> of different decisions that kind of help decide, but there's definitely projects that when we see them come in, we're like, oh yeah, this one, we definitely want to work on. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I love that. It's, um, I like alliteration. So I heard you say, capacity, creativity, and clients. So it's your three C's. I love it when things can get summarized into three C's. <laughs> I'm going to use um, that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great filter. I think, you know, look, as we all get busier, we all want to be successful. We all want to make our clients successful, but it's also important. Like we can't all say yes to everything. Right. So it's like, I, I'm always thinking about like, how can we work on projects Obviously, we want to work on every project, but in reality, we can't. So it's like, how do we find those best projects and bet those projects where we're the best fit at so that like we we win, the client wins, the project wins. And, you know, and there's obviously and there's enough work to go around for everyone, even our competitors. Yeah. I mean, in the past, we've actually suggested some of our what you would call competitors. I'm like, I always say there's enough like toys in the sandbox for everyone to play. So if we know somebody that we've collaborated with uh, in the past and we're like, hey, we're too busy to take this, but this is an excellent project. Like you guys should definitely take this. We're not afraid to do that. Hmm. Um, I, yeah. And it, I think it's really important that we all get sometimes the best projects we ever do are the ones that we don't do, right? Because yeah. it, al it allows us to focus on those three C's and, and make our clients and ourselves successful and kind of like help push the envelope. Um, so I thank you for helping me think about that because I think it's, I think we all need to continually refine how that works. Um, I want to go back to your transition from the residential side to the hospitality side, right? So obviously, you know, we all stand on the shoulders of our experience, of our previous experiences, correct? And mm -hmm. when you look at like your formative create creative experience as a designer, or as a quiver maker, um, <laughs> and you, you made you made that shift from um, residential to hospitality, like, what are some things that were the most formative from the residential side that you've taken with you into the hospitality side on your journey? Well, I think that there obviously is some cross-pollination between residential and hospitality. I think what residential does well is that they really personalize a space. So when you're thinking about a project of scale versus thinking about a room, you're like, really start to focus on the finer details. Like as you use a space, so within for instance, the guest room, you're going to roll it out to whatever, 400 other ones of that iteration, right? But it's thinking about the one, how am I going to make this space special? How can I think about every single detail? Think about like the end user, think about the piece of art that's going there. How can you make that special? And then that mind, uh, that mind shift where you go from one end user to now making it for multiple end users um, really allows you 
to kind of get into that scale and that volume and really get creative. So um, the high-end residential is fun, but you're like, it's for that one family. <laughs> but then, you know, when you do it for a hotel group, like, and this is why I love hospitality. It's, it's a space that's shared. It's not just for one person to enjoy, but it's for everyone to come and to enjoy and to experience. Um, and it's also, you know, when you travel, you're, you're creating a new experience every time. So that for me is what gets me excited. I can have, you know, somebody who's flying in from the UK, who's going to be staying at my hotel and is going to go back home and talk about the hotel room that they stayed and how they like love this detail that was on the sofa and, you know, this piece of art that really inspired them. So it's being able to touch people from all over the world versus, you know, having it just be for like one small group. Mm. I'd love the idea of that singular experience versus like a, a shared scaled experience. Right. And is there, are there any um, recently completed or current projects that really best exemplify that scaled shared experience? Um, I would say we just finished a hotel in Miami um, and it's in Brickell, which is really kind of, had this research and so now when people go to Miami it's not so much South Beach but this focus is really on Brickell so um when I was there it was so funny uh there was I'm pretty sure they were CIA <laughs> and there was like some dignitary that was staying in the hotel and like as this person's coming like they were like nope we'll take the next elevator it was just kind of interesting to think about you know the type of people that stay in the properties that we create and like the kind of deals that go down you know it, it was just really interesting to think like okay I created a backdrop for a meeting that's going to have some kind of effect somewhere down the road right so um yeah. I would say like when you think about properties like that that touches many people in a very indirect way but I thought that was a pretty cool experience yeah that's awesome it, it is amazing to think about um all of these built environments that we work on and the memories and experiences that people have within them, you know that there are some that, okay, you impact those individuals, but then you know that when that meeting happens with those dignitaries or whatever that might be, that can, within the framework of the space that you've designed and built, it can really impact thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of other people. It's That's really, I, I hadn't thought about it that way on such a large scale. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, and if you create a space that, makes people feel calm and relaxed. Like what a better backdrop, right? Instead of sitting in some cold, sterile office, they're coming to your hotel to use your meeting space uh, because they really love the ambiance and the hospitality. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, when we were speaking earlier, um, when you were talking about your residential side and this, you, I think you used the word gallivanting, right? Like it was this whole, it was a different um, idea of, kind of what your workflow would be like. But don't you find that in what you're doing now in hospitality, you're still like, how do you differentiate the the travel or the gallivanting or the different experiences from the residential side to the hospitality side now? Like, how could, could you just clarify that? Yeah. So the gallivanting was me. Ah, <laughs> okay. residential. So I was moving pretty consistently. I was still not ready to kind of like stay still in one spot and I actually still don't right so but now it, I'm traveling all over you know international and local and within the, uh, the U.S. but um, it's 
different, right? I'm not residing there. It's more like I'm going to immerse myself in a, a particular city where we have a project that we're going to start. So it's about going to the local coffee shop, you know, eating at the the favorite sandwich shop on the corner. Um, it's going to the live theater that they have. So it's really experiencing cities and a kind of it's almost like a crash course in learning a city and speaking to the people and talking to them about what's important and what they don't like about their city. You know, it's like learning the whole thing where in my past I was like, okay, let me figure this out. And I'm going to be living in this city for a little bit. <laughs> oh, I get it. Okay. And then as far as international, are you guys expanding and working on uh, projects internationally too? Yeah, so we have an office in Dubai. And so we've been partnering um, with our Dubai office on a couple projects actually in Saudi Arabia. Um, those are the most current. So uh, it's been a really fun process. We have a fantastic team out there, super talented. And it's always like, nice to be able to, you know, collaborate with people who you don't normally collaborate with, but they have their own interior design studio and architecture studio as well. So um, we have been partnering on um, two properties out there um, that are very unique in different locations. Uh, but it's it's just really fun to be able to do things outside of the country. Do we want to do more? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I say yes. Um, I want to go back to the first C of your capacity, creativity, and clients, that filter. Okay. Um, we're all starved for good people, right? So on the capacity side, like what are your big challenges on finding the right people? And like, how do you go about that search to find the right people, not just anyone that can do the work, but the right people that fit your studio? Yeah. So, I mean, with anything, it's kind of trial and error. You, you hire staff, you do interviews, you look at their past work and you start to figure out like, what people's strengths are. So sometimes you may hire somebody because you think they have a more creative side, but then as you start to learn each other, you realize they're a more technical person or even thinking about somebody that you've been kind of admiring in the industry for a while. And you're like, I would love to work with you. You know, being able to reach out to those people and just say like, do you want to come, you know, work with us? We'd love to collaborate. I know you're creative. I've seen what you do. So that's definitely another strategy. And it's also growing our own team. So it's taking our one, two-year designers and really kind of pushing them to the next level, making sure that they are exposed to the right type of meetings. They're going to conferences. They're um, sitting in on client interviews. So it's really growing within also. So it's not necessarily just an external look, but um, I would say yeah, right now there's definitely a hunger for talented design staff, but you know, I am always open so if anyone's listening who wants to <laughs> come work at DLR Group, I'm always open to um, talking to new designers that have a passion for hospitality. Mm. And then I've seen this on the operational side, it's come up a lot, but I guess on the design side as well, because of where we are, I think even coming in as a junior designer, the 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 career path right now in our industry is super steep right now. So you know, if someone were to come in like as a junior, how quickly do they start gaining responsibility and um, and how how do they see their own careers kind of take off in this in this environment we're currently in? 
Yeah, I would say that we've heard feedback um, that people just need some significant mentoring. So we actually have implemented like a full-on mentoring program. We've started to do some internal shifts as far as like managers and, you know, you can't expect someone to climb Mount Kilimanjaro without, you know, a guide. This is their first time climbing this mountain. So um, it's really giving people the tools to be able to do that job successfully. So we can't expect, you know, somebody who's a one, two year person to be doing something that's like a five, six year person without that guidance. So right now it's, it's a lot of like handholding. It's a lot of mentoring and training, but you have to do it right. Like somebody did it for you. Now you have to do it for somebody else. So I always picture this almost like a marathon. That's like a relay. So you have to hand the baton, but you can't, you know, just do it alone. You have to kind of pull that person with you. Wow. That, that really resonates with me. Um, because we, again, we all mentor others and we've had our own mentors. And if you look back on your journey as well, like who are some of the guides that helped you climb Mount Kilimanjaro? That was a great metaphor, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, I had an instructor who, um, she was just sensational. She was one of those people who saw that I had kind of a spark and she definitely added fuel to it. So whenever I would be like, trying to come up with some crazy idea. And, you know, there's individuals who were kind of doing like the easy straight thing. She'd be like, okay, but I want more. I want more. And she would like challenge me to like level up. And I'm like, I don't see anybody else doing it in here. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. And then like, whenever I'd like turn it in, she would always, you know, the way she talked about my project to even like the rest of the class, I was like, okay. I see what you did there. I'm like, I'm not mad at it, but I, I definitely worked my ass off when I was in school to be able to kind of continue to learn. I was definitely like, teach me everything. I want to know everything when I leave here. So that way um, I can inspire my uh, colleagues at school, but also, you know, come with my guns loaded when I go into the workforce. Mm. Insatiable curiosity I'm writing down here. I like <laughs> that. Um, so I like, I have this like time machine question I like asking. So if you were to go back to you in school with that, I, I assume it was in school, correct? So if you yeah. go back, the, the, the Valentina I'm talking to now, if you were to go back to your, that instructor you were mentioning in school, uh, not that instructor, but if you were to go back to the Valentina who was working with that instructor, the what advice would the Valentina that I'm speaking to right now give the younger version of yourself as you're getting pushed by that design by that instructor? The advice I would give myself is it'll all pay off, right? So there's definitely those like long nights and all that hard work. You're like, sometimes you're like, why am I doing this? Like they're not gonna actually build this, right? <laughs> Um, so it would be kind of just keep persevering. I don't think I ever really like let myself, you know, cut short, but there were some times where I'm like, oh, I just want to go to sleep, you know, but telling myself it would be worth it. Understanding that, yes, no one's going to build it, but like all of this is going to make you a better designer down the road. So it's not in vain. You're not doing it just because it's an assignment and you want to get a good grade. It's actually growing you to be the best designer 10, 15 years down the road, you're going to take the stuff that you learn in school and it doesn't seem like you're going to use it. Just like when my kids are like, but mom, I'm not going to use this math. 
Yes, you are. You are going to use the math. You may not use all of the, you know, like trigonometry, but all that stuff creates a better adult version of you, you know, or a better designer um, down the road. I love it. Um, I totally agree with you. And even with the trigonometry, I find myself trying (laughs) to figure out some things sometimes and all of that helps. Oh, and yeah. I wish I could get my kids to understand that as well. But I'm just like, okay, you just wait, wait and see. You'll need to know when to measure the slope of a curve so you can see things are growing or shrinking and at what rate. So calculus <laughs> does come in handy. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so Valentina, as you think about those three C's of capacity, creativity and your clients and as you got as you're managing the growth of your company and your team um if people wanted to learn more about the journey that you're on like how can they get in touch with you how can they learn more yeah so i am excuse me i'm available via email phone i literally have no kind of strong preference over one or the other linkedin um I don't check LinkedIn as much as I check my email and my phone. (laughs) I try, but um, I would say those two facets are probably like the quickest, easiest way to get a hold of me. Our website is a good resource to be able to see some of the projects that we've done and some of the greater team. We have a fantastic architecture team that uh, we collaborate with consistently. So there's a whole slew of us and um, we definitely have a talented crew. I'm blessed to be able to work with all my coworkers. Awesome. I mean, it's just been so cool just to get to know you guys over the past couple of years and see your growth in the story. And I don't know, I'm just excited for you and the team and the growth and just keep it up. Thank you. And I know how busy you are also. So I just want to give you a heartfelt thank you for your time um, because I just, I love these conversations so much because I just get to, I don't know, I have my own insatiable curiosity and I, you just help me think about things and look at things a little bit different. So thank you, Valentina. Thank you. And it's great to be able to have conversations like this. It reminds you and like reinvigorates you as to like why you got into it. Yes. And I think, you know, it's uh, really thinking about why we do what we do is super important. And I think that we all, can take a little bit of time and it's hard to do to think about the why and get in touch with that again. And it does, I don't know, I try to do these on Fridays and it just makes me super, it's like a great cap on the end of the week. And it helps me really look forward to like, what's next, next week, next quarter, next year. But thank you for helping me with this. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Uh, You're very welcome. And then also I want to thank our listeners because again, we keep growing every single week and without you, we wouldn't be here. So, but I have a feeling that has a lot to do with our awesome guests like Valentina. If this podcast or this episode helped you think differently about hospitality, design, um, growth, personal journeys, please pass it along. Um, We're all word of mouth and we really appreciate it. Thank you.